welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. guys, today we're going to talk about this phrase, the story I'm telling myself or the stories we tell ourselves. So have you guys used that phrase? Do you use that phrase, the story I'm telling myself, the stories we tell ourselves? I love it. And I think I heard about it maybe in the same place you did. Yeah. Yeah, Brene Brown special. Yes. Yes. The example she used was a story about she and her husband kind of being off track. They weren't on the same page. They were both telling themselves different stories. So what she kind of meant by that, so an example would be like, if I said something that I thought was funny and Jamie and Lucy looked at me with like just total blank stares, I might tell myself all kinds of stories. So I might say, oh no, I'm not as funny as I thought I was, or, oh gosh, I might've hurt their feelings, or just as I always suspected, they think I'm an idiot. I mean, I could come up with all kinds of different stories. And that's what we do as humans, right? Like we started doing it when we lived in caves. Like we come up with stories, they help organize us, they organize our past, they organize kind of what's going on for us now and our future. They're really helpful until they're not. Sometimes they can get in our way too. So one way to step out of these stories is just to kind of check with the other people, right? And that's kind of what Brene was talking about on the special is checking in, giving them the opportunity to tell us what they're really thinking. So the example of the blank stares, if I said, hey guys, like how did that land? What I just said, and you guys could say, you know, yeah, that really hurt my feelings or we don't really think that you're that funny. Or you could say, hey, you know, the Zoom caught up and you froze. We didn't even hear what you said. And so I think it's, it is really important, especially in intimate relationships, to check out those kinds of stories. So tell me, do you guys have examples of that, of kind of like checking in with people, whether you use this phrase, the story I'm telling myself or not, of like, hey, I'm kind of coming up with this narrative in my mind. I'm filling in the blanks. Let me check you know, this out with you. Yeah. I have loved this phrase. Okay. Like, so since I saw saw it on the, I was going to say after school special, but it wasn't after school <laughs> special. It's um, Brene's documentary or talk or whatever it was. I have found it super helpful and I actually will straight up use the language while the story I'm telling myself right now is X, Y, and Z. And I feel like that is really nice because it it makes it my responsibility. Yes. That makes sense. Instead of like, oh, you think I'm an idiot and how dare you do that and making all these assumptions, I'm making it very clear that this is a thought that I'm having and I'm just wanting to like check it out. Exactly. Exactly. And it really, I mean, in my relationship with John, it made a huge difference. I mean, even we've been married... I don't know, have 15 years when I first started this, but it was like, this is, and he was like, oh, really? Wow. And I use it most with Brent, right? Really? So in my okay. marriage, it's like where I use this the most. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it feels safe there to, to kind of be vulnerable, but also it really helps to kind of let them get to know us. And sometimes I was like, God, it's dark in there, in that brain of yours. <laughs> He's like, you come up with some really dark stories. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, this is me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Jamie? You ever use that phrase, the story I'm telling myself or... I've used that phrase and I use that phrase with clients too and try to get Mm. them to use that phrase and with 
mixed results. Yeah. <laughs> Some, yeah. Sometimes they really take to it. Other times it's kind the of the story like, you're telling yourself yes. is that your clients <laughs> don't like this phrase. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> or they just flat out say, that's stupid. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no. But yeah, I mean, I can give you examples of times when I haven't used that phrase and it not gone over so well. I mean, most recently, you know, <laughs> when we traveled Avery together on our Disney trip, Disney World and uh, Disney Cruise, and I had all kinds of stories that I was telling myself about my husband and his motivations and intent and all of this kind of stuff with his attitude, attitude, all of that. Like I I had lots and lots of stories about that. And it took several days in in order for finally for me to kind of calm down for him to calm down because he was also telling himself stories about me and my attitude and behaviors and motivations and stuff. And so when we could finally sit down and, and talk about like what these stories were, it went and, you know, could do it in a calm manner. We were able to, to work it out. Yeah. And you know, Jimmy, the interesting part is I think for many of us, we don't even realize that there's stories. Right. 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 And so yeah. I mean, I think that's another reason why this language is so helpful because it gives us this extra distance from it because mm-hmm. I think so often we just take it as truth. Exactly. Right? This is just what's happening. And, and really, they're just made up fictional stories. Right. Yeah. And even the tone, like the tone is is very different. You know, when you use that phrase, I'm telling myself the story that versus he didn't want to come on this crew. You know, like that's usually said with much more like mm-hmm. judgment uh-huh. and judgment. And there's a tone. That's right. To and that's, it. that's what I love about the word stories is because sometimes stories are true. And sometimes stories are totally fictional. Right. And it's just a very neutral term of like, sometimes you tell yourself a story and you're right on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're not. And so it kind of just like opens you up to, you know, does it fit or does it not? Right. Well, then you start to see like the sheer volume of stories we tell ourselves and they can't all be true. Right. Because right? there's a lot of, a lot of story. I'm like, I'm prolific. Like my brain yeah. is a prolific <laughs> story maker. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. write that shit down, Lucy. Right. Award winning. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and I found in work with clients that sometimes, I think especially when trying to process a traumatic event, it can be very yes. helpful to tell the story. And then also to kind of like, I mean, I'm, I don't necessarily use narrative therapy. There's a whole line of therapy, which I think can be very helpful for people about like kind of tweaking and managing stories. But just this last week, I was processing an event with with actually a couple of different patients. And I said, well, tell me the story of it. And then let's let's kind of look for just the facts. Like when it was really helpful to kind of say, like, let's put this together and let's find the sticking points Find those stories you're telling yourself about those sticking points and see if there's an alternate narrative that may help, that may kind of like shift it a bit. And I found that to be really helpful of like, rather than kind of holding on to the story of, you know, this was, this was a horrible, awful, some, whatever, fill in the blank of like, oh, actually this was okay. Or that was really scary. And then it were like, whatever, just, it can be a very helpful in processing and kind of putting this label on, oh, this is the thing that happened. Yeah. That's so. always interesting to me because I, I do that particular yeah. therapy with trauma with folks that are dealing with trauma, cognitive processing therapy, there is a big narrative portion to it. And it is always interesting to me when I have them write their stories out and we specifically go through and look for what are called stuck points. And these are these like extreme sort of viewpoints and beliefs that have come about either are new or confirmed based on their previous experiences, like negative, like very negative, stable, rigid, kind of generalized sort of beliefs, like things like, you know, I have no control in my 
my life. I can trust no one, like those sorts of things. And I always, you know, and I also have done that with people maybe who struggle with depression, like let's write your story like with depression and then let's write your life story with if you didn't have depression and like, let's compare the two and what are the differences there? And do you see like how you're kind of viewing things? So I, I think like, I'm way ahead for like tips at home, but I mean, you know, I think like journaling uh, mm-hmm. is a really great tool to use and you can get all kinds of stories down <laughs> when you journal right. and doing periodic reviews. I think it's really, I think it's interesting. It's really helpful. It can illuminate a lot of things, you know, seeing it in black and white that you don't totally. realize it's just like Lucy, you were saying, I mean, we just tell ourselves stories all day long and they're just spinning around in there. We don't realize like how impactful those things are. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially like we're saying in those intimate relationships, it can be so helpful to check in. I mean, I think that really sure. does foster closeness. I know, like we both mentioned, in our, our all three in, in our marriages, it can be really helpful. One, to just kind of let that person get to know us better of like, right. hey, this is what's going on in my mind. And so they can, oh my gosh. Or even to really say, hey, you know, I'm telling myself the story that you're pissed off because we did this and you did that. And sometimes now we even shorthand it like, hey, are we okay? You okay? Everything okay? We're all right. And because I think that like checking in can just be so meaningful so that you don't get to those, I don't know, like one story becomes like a whole novel, which becomes a whole mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like hard to unpack all of those things when you could really just check it out when it's like a small issue. So I think definitely this language is so helpful when we're thinking about relationship with other people. I think it's also really helpful. And I've been starting to think about it when we think about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. So I'm going to start with like a really funny, to me, it's kind of a silly example, but I was in grad school and one of my friends ate cottage cheese for lunch or something like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, I don't like cottage cheese. And she was like, have you ever tasted it? I think you might actually really like it. I'm like, I don't like it. And I was like, well, let me, let me actually just taste it. I I fucking love cottage cheese. I mean, it's delicious. I had it every day all through grad school. I still eat. I love it. I crack up. It's my kids. I'm like, we're having King Ranch chicken for dinner. They're like, I don't like that. And then then they go, what is it? What is it? Uh Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, what, 22, 24 when that happened? And I'm like, I don't know if it was like, it doesn't look necessarily that appetizing cottage cheese. I don't know if it was the word cottage. I I don't know what it was. I mean, who knows? I have no idea. But in my mind, I had told myself that story long enough. I don't like cottage cheese. Then I believed it to be true. And now as a parent, I look at my daughter who like, her favorite foods now may be things she never even tried a year ago. And I'm like, why do we think that changes? Why well, was like, oh, you're 18, your taste's fixed, done. Because I think it just keeps changing over time. And so that's a kind of a funny example of like a story that I discovered was really false. Another story I've recently discovered was totally false is that I don't like roller coasters and I don't like rides because I freaking love them. And if I had held on to that story, I wouldn't have experienced Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey at Universal, which we rode um, 17 times. Mm-hmm. Literally and 17? Literally. Mm, I just kept getting back on it uh-huh. because it was like the most wonderful and fun experience I've ever had. Now, trumped by the Guardians of the Galaxy at Disney, which like literally when I got off the ride, my cheeks hurt from smiling. I was so happy. And it just, and even like this shift of like from roller coasters being bad and scary to just this like appreciation of like, there are people on this planet that their whole lives are dedicated to like entertaining me. Like, how fun is that? Like they've crafted this thing, this experience. So I have like permagrin. Like what a wonderful, wonderful world we live in versus they're this dark, scary, awful thing that I definitely need to avoid that I don't like because they're stupid. 
So I'm just wondering, and I kind of gave you guys a little prompt earlier, so you can kind of be thinking about that too, of like, what are some stories like that that you've discovered? Oh, wow, that's really not true about me anymore, or maybe it never was. Any stories like that? I mean, I've had lots of, <laughs> like Lucy was saying, I have all kinds of things going on in stories. this head. I just don't necessarily speak them aloud. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I think it all goes under the broad umbrella of, I can't do that. Oh. You know, like for, for me, like, it's like, I can't do that. Oh, go run a race. I can't do that. Oh, go try out this new yoga. I can't do that. Oh, do a podcast. You can't do that. Yeah. Like th- there's a lot of the, a lot of that kind of um, just fear-based kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, and as I've gotten older, I've, I think it's, I've been able to kind of fend that off and just like like, says who yeah exactly or do it anyway so yeah i think a lot of my stories are fall under that particular sounds like a lot of your stories start with i can't yeah i can't do Uh uh-huh and my but these two were i don't like Uh i don't want to do that Mm -hmm. okay that's good. That's a good, good, in, good indicators that maybe you're about to tell yourself a story. It's like limiting. Yeah, I can't, like I, I don't. can't. I can't snorkel. Like no, I just did. Actually, <laughs> you know, like yeah, the first time I floated out to sea, but the second time around, it was much better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> thank you, random man on the catamaran to pull me back in. Yes, you know, like, yes, like yes. survived. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, that's it. You know, like I. I survived you know and i think now it's like well you can try you can see like rather than that i i can't do like let's give it a whirl anyways what about you lucy gosh i was thinking about that so a few of the stories that i have is one that i'm like boring and not fun (laughs) um so that's one another one and this i noticed this like on some retreats i've been on is i've always told myself like i don't really like to be touched like i'm Mm. like a you know, not like a snuggly sort of person, but like being on retreats and like we would do yoga and the instructor would come and like assist. Does that make sense? So yeah. she kind of like lean herself against you to help you like stretch a little uh-huh. higher. And I was like, oh, that is kind of nice to have this like uh-huh. physical support. Or I had a friend kind of like French braid my hair and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. Uh-huh. Right. So realizing like, oh, maybe that's not quite so true. Yeah. So kind of about who we are, like that I don't like the outdoors. That's another one. Or I do like, but under very specific circumstances. Uh-huh. But I think. That's not quite accurate or that I like I have to shower before bed and then like being on a retreat where you're like, you just go to bed. Right. It's more like you're kind of camping and out and about. I think these like sometimes these patterns and habits and rhythms you get into Mm -hmm. and then realizing like, oh, maybe there's a little more like flexibility and wiggle room. And I feel like sometimes I with some of that stuff, especially like self-care, I get a little more rigid as an adult. Like, okay, you don't want to have caffeine after this time. You need to, you know, right. like all of these, like it feels like there's this whole system to like, so you feel okay. <laughs> right. Well, and there's a difference between like, I do think we get to know our bodies uh-huh. over time. And then of course those fuckers keep changing. Uh-huh. But but there is like, I mean, the caffeine, like you you bet your ass I will not be having caffeine after 9 a.m. or I won't sleep. And that, that part I kind of know is true. I also won't be having like the second or third glass of wine if I don't want to have a headache tomorrow. That's just true. That's just, you know, user's manual of like 44-year-old Avery. Yeah. But I, so I think there's a difference between that of like, nope, this is tried and tested and still remains to be true versus like, huh, you know, I haven't really tried that one out yet or recently. Like I haven't really tested that theory yeah. in a bit. And like maybe there's a little more like yeah. wiggle room where like I can be okay with a variety yeah. of things. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think other ones that I was kind of thinking about 
one story that I told myself really my whole life is I am uncoordinated. And so I hate exercise. Like those went together. Like I'm totally uncoordinated. And for that reason, I will never like exercise. And I had, I was kind of talking about this with a friend and she's like, Avery, if you were not coordinated, you would not be sitting up talking to me right now. You like your body can sit up. It can walk. It can, I, mean, I walked 60 miles twice. Like that is just not true. And I was like, oh yeah. And you know how likely I am to actually enjoy something when I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Very unlikely. Very unlikely. But when I'm like curious about it, I'm like, oh, I wonder how this is going to feel. It's, it's a very different experience. When I was thinking, Jamie, when you were talking earlier, maybe this ties in. I think sometimes we tell ourselves a story that like to enjoy it, we have to be good at it. Like almost yes. the snorkeling, like that there's yeah. like a right way to snorkel. And I have to, we're like, I was snorkeling and I floated out to sea. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe I can just enjoy that. Right? I never actually got to like put the mask on or the thing. <laughs> it was more just, I was bobbing uh-huh. out there <laughs> in the water, just praying to stay alive basically is what was going on. That's a little stressful. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean I, I agree with you. I think yes, that there that people, including myself, can get caught up in like there's a certain way, a right way, correct way, yeah. the most amazing way to do whatever it is. And I can't Therefore, do whatever that is um if I can't do it in that particular way. And I think I've used this example before about Pilates, but I think that was like this one-two punch of like, I was telling myself stories about myself. I was telling myself stories about what the other people were thinking too, about like, oh, they think you're uncoordinated and that you think this and then you know, da, 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 da. And it was just like this, it's like, no wonder I don't want to go back. Like, this was horrible. This was so miserable. Um, and in that example, I think I've talked about this before. I really was aware of that. I was like, okay, I know these stories felt like they serve you in the past, but th- there's no room for this now. Like nobody's telling you that. Marilyn, my sweet Pilates instructor, has never said you're so uncoordinated. I don't know how you're going to whatever. She's always like, just try it. But how interesting. Like, I think that really speaks to the power of these stories and really interfering. Right. So your experience, oh, sure. so you can be at Pilates. And if you're telling yourself all these oh, yeah. stories about how uncoordinated you are and how everyone thinks you're an idiot, it's going to be miserable. Totally. But if you told yourself a different story, like if the inner dialogue was different, your experience would be so different. So it's not the Pilates. It's like the stories totally. about it. And I think that's where, again, that like intimacy, I mean, with with people that you trust of like, because I mean, I'll tell Marilyn, I don't think I can do this. She's like, well, that's your mind getting in the way. And she'll like, hold my hand or I've got you. You're not going to, f-. I mean, and that's where you have to develop this trust and, and kind of share your stories. I'm like, okay, I'm telling myself this story. I'm going to fall. Well, you're not going to fall because I've got you here. But you're just gonna try. She's like, what it's if like you maybe just there's some things we can't do? That's okay. That's okay too. Uh-huh. But you, but but you'll do it, and or you won't. And I uh-huh. got you. You're not gonna hurt yourself. Just that, like, I think that it's a way of establishing trust within those really intimate relationships of like kind of sharing. Like, hey, this is what I've got, and it allows people to show up for you. I think too. Any other stories that come? I've got a couple more, but any other stories that you guys have found that have come up? I think you're probably going to talk about it, but I think similar to you, I've had lots of stories about body size and body image and what that means, you know, around, around that. Totally. I mean, I've had lots of stories, lots like of e- stories. even just like really like <laughs> sort of crazy things, like not, not really crazy, but I mean, just like if I was thinner, then, you know, yes. like it, it's, yes. it always starts with that. Like if I was thinner, then 
I could just like easily bring a carry on on a trip instead of like the, you know, cause then I would be smaller and my clothes would be smaller. I wouldn't have as much stuff to like bring with oh. me. And so oh, wow. therefore like it would be easier for me to travel or, you know, like just like crazy kinds of things like that. Like whatever, Jamie, you overpack anyway. So, I mean, you know, well, what's the big deal? Yeah. That's exactly what I wrote down. was like yeah. thin equals, yes. thin equals attractive, thin equals having a lighter carry on then equals all the things you want <laughs> right? and none of the things you don't. Right. And, and this idea of like thin equals attractive. And, and of course the caveat to that or the other side of that is that not being thin means not being attractive. Like right. there's no possible way to look good if you are not thin. And it's really interesting. I mean, I, I am far and away not the thinnest I've ever been right now. I mean, not even close. And I'll look back at some of the pictures I've, when I was thinner and I'm like, you know, it was fine. But if that was the way I was now, I would, that would just be who I was. Like they're like the people that I know that are thinner. I'm like, I'm not like, Oh my God, you're thin. It's just like, this is just who you are. And mine's kind of fluctuated. But what really challenged that experience was those photos that we had recently. Mm -hmm. We did a photo shoot, like a branding photo shoot for our new business. And it was a super fun experience. Was, yeah. Right. A little like stressful on the front end in terms of like lots of moving parts. But we did like a like a four hour extravaganza yes. with like five outfit changes. And we'd gone to see this wonderful stylist at Nordstrom uh-huh. you know, several weeks in advance to try to like coordinate ourselves. Yep. I mean, it was it was really fun, though. It was really fun. Um, and it was a lot of like body forward. I mean, yes. like, like facing forward. So like trying to find clothes to fit my body, trying to take pictures. It was a very like. I even wrote a broadcast email about like, it was just a very vulnerable experience. Mm-hmm. But I look at those pictures and I'm like, do not look thinner than I, than I actually am. And I look fucking amazing. I mean, we all did. They were beautiful. When we got them back, I kept like screenshotting. I was like, oh my God, Jamie, look at this one. Oh my God, Lucy, <laughs> look at you in this one. Oh my God. Like they were just beautiful. I think they captured who we really are. Like they had some like beautiful ones of like our facial expressions or us laughing or when we were genuinely laughing and having a good time. And I was like, oh man, you know, these captured us, me or us as we really are. And they're beautiful. And it was like, oh yeah. So, but it is, it, it still comes up. I mean, it, it came up for me during that whole process again of yeah. like, well, how are you ever going to look? Yeah, you're not saying that then. And size. I think my deal with the thin is, yeah, there's an attractiveness piece, but there's also this, there's been this belief for a long time that is thinner would be easier. Uh huh. I think that's what it is with my yeah. whole thing with like the carry on. And I have other weirdo sorts of like, I've had other beliefs about what it would be like to be, to be thinner stories. and how that uh-huh. would. Yeah, exactly. Other stories. Well, and the, and the bottom line is, unfortunately, that's true. Right. Like I've been thinner and things, some things were easier. Yeah. And and it is, I mean, especially in this culture, we don't have to take a whole left turn into it, but it is easier to be thin. And I think it's getting better, but it, it is, I mean, it is, it is praised. It is easier. There's a lot of things that you, we get a lot of messages that the grass is greener on the thinner right, right. side. Right. But I think we're also getting a lot of messages now by seeing people of all body sizes represented in the media, et cetera, that like, oh, wow, you can be beautiful and not thin. You can be fit. You can do yoga. You can do all of these different things without having thinness be. And I think a lot of things that we connect with thinness, so maybe thinness does make some things easier, but I think that there are these stories that, and this is a lot of the work I have to do therapeutically with eating disorder work, like we wrap so much into it. Like I would get better grades. More people would like me, right? Like all of these things that 
And once again, in all the years I've been asking clients, like, why do you like the people who you like in your life? Not once has someone said, I like them because they're thin. Or not once do I like them because they only eat vegetables. Or not once do I like them because they make really good grades. That's not why we like people. I think that that gets confounded, Mm -hmm. though, with maybe we like people who work hard or who take care of themselves or like, like some of those other like attributes of who you are rather than like the achievement. Right. But I think we roll a lot up in fitness, like, they, but there's stories that we tell ourselves that are not very like conscious. And so mm-hmm. kind of getting that out on paper of like, is that really the case? Right. And let's yeah. kind of challenge some of that. And that's where I think that like representation is so helpful in the media of, and, and or everywhere. People that are not necessarily in thinner body sizes doing all of the things. Cause I think that there was a long time there that the only time you would see people that were models or, or looked, a swimsuit or, a swimsuit or doing a yoga class or a picture, like if you're going to say at the gym, the pictures of the people there, yep. they were all thin. Yep. And now, I, I mean, you see even on Nordstrom, they have like a picture of a person in a smaller body size wearing an outfit, a picture of a person in a larger body size wearing the same outfit. And you're like, oh, that. That's how this would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's just really, it's so important that, because I think it helps us to imagine, oh yeah, I could, this isn't as limiting as I keep letting right. it. Like letting that it representation. Be. Yeah. 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 And it, this all kind of like makes me think back about our trance of scarcity episode and that like idea of like trading up our stories. And I think that really that's, that's an important thing. One to kind of notice that you're having them. And certainly with that internal work, the stories you're telling yourself about yourself kind of examining them and trying to trade up. So that, that's kind of where we'll go into tr- do the, do try this at home. I have a couple of, of ideas. Do you guys have ideas of what you think would be a good thing for our listeners to try at home? I would say notice the stories that you tell yourself, but notice what they're like when your mood is different. Ooh, Because <laughs> what I noticed for me, and I'll to say, I, you know, I've struggled with depression off and on for many, many years. And I can absolutely tell, you know, when I'm down in a depressive episode, the stories I tell myself are very different than when I'm in more of a recovery space from from Uh depression and completely inaccurate, no truth to them whatsoever. So even if you don't struggle with really terrible depression, anxiety, something like that, just notice like shifts in your mood. Just every day we all, you know, our our moods and emotions change all the time. So just notice what, what is it like? What are the stories like, say, when I'm up versus maybe when I'm a little down or anxious, depressed, whatever and notice that yeah Um, absolutely notice the relationship between those things right hungry angry tired i mean Uh, all of it and what i love about that is it helps you to see that they're temporary and that they're that a lot of time they're not they're they're getting in your way absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. so that would be my second do try this at home is when you notice a story that's getting in your way to challenge them right to be able to challenge them in some way say well is this really true because there's so few like always nevers like i've never be able to do yoga well let's try it let's just try that's what marilyn always says to me my wonderful pilates instructor we'll just try it let's just try what, what, what what's the harm in trying yeah yeah i think for me it would be how can you use this language in your relationships mm-hmm. right so like oh the story i'm telling myself is that, you know, you're thinking this or you're feeling this way or that what you really meant was this, right? How can we start to integrate that in our communication? Awesome. Well, next time you join us, we're going to be talking about midlife. Where the hell is the map? So we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. 
visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Thank you.